Good morning. Good morning. Um, I just want to thank you for allowing me to uh, come together and and be here with you. Um, And so let's pray and get right into the word. Heavenly Father, I thank you in the mighty name of Jesus. I thank you so much, Lord, for allowing us to come together once again. Father, I ask that you just have your way, have your way with this moment and in this time, Lord. Hide me behind the cross, God. Be reckless with me, Holy Spirit. Allow us to hear and feel a word from you today, God. It is in Jesus' mighty name I pray. Amen. So the scripture text that we're coming from today is Hebrews 10, verses 23 through 25. And the Bible says, Let us seize and hold tightly the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is reliable and trustworthy and faithful to his word. And let us consider thoughtfully how we may be encouraged one another, how we may encourage one another to love and to do good deeds, not forsaking our meeting together as believers for worship and instruction, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more faithfully as you see the day of Christ's return approaching. That was the amplified version. Um, And so let me just share, you know, there is an associate pastor that I know who has a closing salutation on his emails and it says, be encouraged. It doesn't matter what the email is about. It could be about something as simple as going for ice cream or as perplexing as quitting your job. Either way, at the end of the correspondence, you will see the words be encourage. Right around the time I began to notice the closing phrase on his emails, one of the more popular gospel songs was Be Encouraged. There was a gospel soloist I knew of and when I would hear the song, hear her sing this song, it would stop me dead in my tracks. It seemed like it was always her turn to do a solo and when that turn came around, the song she sang was be encouraged and she was singing it at the right time in my life i remember being in seminary and in my systematic theology one class and discovering my instructor was more interested in the women of the class uh becoming feminists as opposed to living a life of worship that was in spirit and in truth As I was truly challenged by this predicament, that gospel song would seem to be in heavy rotation. It was like God was planting a message of encouragement into my subconscious because if any class could make me quit, it was that one. Now that we are in the year 2020 and find ourselves smack dab in the middle of a whole worldwide pandemic, I've been hearing that song on heavy rotation once again. And I believe God is sending me a message of encouragement. However, being the wonderful, great, and sovereign God that God is, there is no way I'm the only one who's supposed to be encouraged, which is why I believe I was led to this pericope. 
See, the book of Hebrews, you know, is already an epistle that would be listed as encouraging and no one can deny it, especially as we examine the three verses from our text. One of the more interesting uh, things I've discovered, uh, like fun facts, as I would tell my students, I discovered about the book of Hebrews is that there has been an argument for centuries around who its author is. The Zondervan uh, commentary has laid out who the possible candidates are that could have pinned this jewel and why. Like, for instance, in the earliest manuscripts of the New Testament, Hebrews was inserted right behind the book of Romans. Therefore, people automatically gave its authorship to Paul. Early patriarchs like Clement and Origen and the translators of the King James Version Bible all give Paul authorship. The Zondervan uh, commentary even discusses the parallels between Paul's other writings and the book of Hebrews. However, the argument against Paul being the author offers up some serious contenders like Apollos, who was an apostle from Alexandria, was taught by Paul's companions, Priscilla and Aquila, was encouraged directly by Paul in ministry, was highly educated, a Jewish believer, a defender of the Christian faith, and eventually became as influential as Paul and Peter. There was Clement, the historian who wrote a letter from Rome to the Corinthian church, which contained many allusions to and quotes from and quotations from the book of Hebrews. And on that basis is believed that Clement himself was the translator or creator of the book. Because Barnabas was once a traveling companion. Y'all remember Barnabas was once a traveling companion of Paul and was described as a son of encouragement. He is also in contention to be the author. While the theory of Timothy has also been floated out there, the fact that his release from prison is mentioned by the author who speaks on hopefully visiting them soon with Timothy kind of dispels that notion. A German biblical scholar by the name of Adolf Harnick even argued that Hebrews was written by Priscilla, the woman who together with her husband Aquila was a close associate of Paul, was a close associate of Paul's. Um, as much as I understand and can relate to the power of the femme factor and God's ability to use it as God chooses, there's too much speculation involved in that possibility and not enough facts. However, that instructor I told you about might actually like that one. <laughs> the one thing scholars do agree on is that God truly is the only one who knows who wrote the book of Hebrews. And while the authorship of the book isn't clear, the message of encouragement is. And to be honest, we can use a little encouragement right now. In times like the one we are now living through, God knows we must be encouraged. I don't have to tell you that we are in the midst of a worldwide pandemic that's having tragic and unprecedented negative ramifications for every way of life that exists in America, except maybe technology. In order to look at a world 
wide health crisis that's even remotely similar, historians have had to go back over a hundred years to point to anything close to this. What they've come up with was the Spanish flu that lasted nearly 36 months from January 1918 to December 1922. This flu infected nearly 500 million people worldwide and took the lives of somewhere around 30 somewhere around 20 to 50 million people all during World War 1. One of the more interesting facts about that time in history is the avoidable impact that particular strand of what scientists now know to be H1N1 had on Philadelphia. According to the University of Pennsylvania's Education Archives, the Spanish flu arrived at the Philadelphia Navy Yard on September 19, 1918, and within days, 600 soldiers contracted it. Despite this staggering statistic and the flu already proving to be deadly in other parts of the world, some of the city's leaders decided it would be prudent to continue with their plans to hold a parade nine days later that was designed to boost the morale of our nation's military. The parade brought out 200,000 people, and in three days, by October 1st, another 365 cases were reported. <sighs> Come on, somebody. Mm-mm-mm. Within four weeks, 47,000 cases were reported, and within six months, 16,000 people had succumbed to the deadly flu. Now, I didn't share this part of our history to discourage, but rather to encourage, because the same God that sat high and looked low then is still sitting high and looking low right now. God is watching those of us who are called the children of God and are the church Jesus said, we are the light of the world and the salt of the earth. Therefore, if we are light, then like the song says, we must let that light of ours shine. Even through technology on Zoom, on conference calls, on social media platforms, we must let it shine. If we are the salt of the earth, then we must do what salt does. We must preserve one another's strength. We must share a healing word with the heavy hearted. And we must introduce the flavor rich love of Christ to a bland world of gumbo that we find ourselves a part of. As we look at our political landscape and are subjected to daily briefings from a clueless administration and watch fully degreed and studied medical professionals squirm in their seats while listening to a non-factual, unsolicited, dangerous advice be, get, be spewed out to the American people on a world stage, we should both be grateful and encouraged that Philadelphia as well as Pennsylvania has learned from our past mistakes during the Spanish flu. Our leaders are determined we will not be repeating that. Both Governor Wolf and Mayor Kenny are on the same page when it comes to putting the health and welfare of us, the citizens of this city and state, first. 
Governor Wolf has decided not to give in to the political pressure and to go as far as to join in an alliance with other Northeastern governors like Governor Cuomo of New York. Governor Murphy of New Jersey, Governor Lamont of Connecticut, Governor Carney of Delaware, Governor Raimondo of Rhode Island, and Republican Governor Baker of Massachusetts. This major collaborative has been created to develop the best plan of action for when our states can safely reopen. This is one bipartisan cooperative that I can say is reflective of leaders putting forth their best effort in an unprecedented era of time, which in itself is encouraging and brings me back <laughs> to our pericope. Our text for the day provides an example of how the early church leaders encouraged their followers through an unprecedented time as well. While they were dealing with a worldwide, they weren't dealing with a worldwide health crisis at that time. We do know they were dealing with persecution, which could be lead to death. While we are adjusting to a new way of life with remaining indoors and reporting to and resorting to public gatherings via technology, they too were adjusting to a new way of life. Many of them were being converted from Judaism uh, to the what was known as the way back then and what we know today as Christianity. Even the very name Christian that they were beginning to be labeled with was not a term of endearment, but rather a slur created to humiliate and embarrass yet the writer of Hebrews would boldly say, let us seize and hold tightly to the confession of our hope without wavering. Hey, which brings me to one of the things that spoke to me from this text. And that is sometimes aggression is necessary. This is not a language of passiveness, people. The word seize is an aggression, is aggression at its finest, for it means to suddenly take hold of with force. Then the scripture goes on to say, hold tightly the confession of our hope without wavering. You know, I visualize like a mama bear type grip. You know what I'm saying? That, you know, when those of us who are mothers and our children were very young, if we cared about their safety and saw potentially that a dangerous situation was uh, presenting itself, we would grab that little person so tightly. Their circulation could cut off, but mama wasn't letting go. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And we are to do all of this without wavering. If we meant all the things we've said about our God, now that the challenge has presented itself, we need to take what the author has said to heart and apply it to ourselves as if nearly 2,000 years ago, this letter was written directly to us and we should not be moved. The next part of our text tells us why we can be aggressive and forceful with who we are and whose we are. It says, for he who promised is reliable and trustworthy and faithful to his word. Come on, somebody. Okay. 
He is faithful to his word. And this highlights the next thing that stands out for me, which is the God we serve keeps his promises. Hey, the God we serve keeps his promises. The God we serve ain't never lied. And I know I said ain't and I meant ain't never. Not E-R, but a never lied. Okay. The God we serve told a man who was almost a hundred and a woman who was almost 90 that they were going to conceive and give birth to a child that would be the son of promise. And we as believers are living witnesses to the fulfillment of that promise. And the next part of this scripture, and let us says, and let us consider thoughtfully how we may encourage one another to love and to hold, to love and to do good deeds. This thing speaks loud and clear. We must aspire to inspire. We must aspire to inspire. This is telling us to take a moment and give some serious thought to how we may encourage, uplift, and inspire one another to do good in this season to others. We must aspire to inspire. We must make, we must take this thing seriously because one thing secular society got right on this go around, and that is, and that is, we are all in this together. Hello, somebody. While everyone may not be able to serve on the front lines by giving out food or organizing and running a testing site, some of us can hold a prayer vigil like nobody's business. Come on, come on, come on, saints, come on. We can post a word of encouragement. We can be an ear to someone needing to talk. No matter what it is, we can all do something because we are all in this together. The final piece of our text is something we are not guilty of, but but because we are here, because we are not guilty of, because we are here utilizing technology together in order to come together to worship. Verse 25, not forsaking our meeting together as believers for worship and instruction, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more faithfully as you see the day of Christ's return approaching. Let's endure to the end. We are in the process of living this thing right now. So let's endure to the end. There are some who, because the building isn't open, they haven't been worshiping. They haven't been giving. They, they act as if they've forgotten Christ is coming back. However, let's not be too quick to judge them. Let's pray for them and let's pray for ourselves that we never find ourselves in a space where we fall away from corporate worship because we've had to change the way we do it and where we do it. Let's truly live and understand the phrase many of us have quoted, but by grace, there go I. Let's remember that if it's not for the grace of God, we too can be discouraged. We too can fall away and we too can forget who we are and whose we are. As I'm about to close, 
as I'm about to close this thing out, I just want to say, be encouraged. Stay encouraged. Because sometimes aggression is necessary. The God we serve keeps his promises. We must aspire to inspire and let's endure to the end. Be encouraged.